And hello, welcome back to a new video. Again, the two of us, after the great feedback from the last video, we decided to make another one. This time there won't be goats, but maybe we're gonna have another surprise guest. Uh, let's see. And thank you also for all your questions. We will do those regularly now, if you like them. So if you want us to answer your question the next time, make sure to leave a comment in the description below, wherever you're watching this, YouTube or our blog. So I have condensed all the questions that we got from you and we will just go through them. All right, the first one is quite interesting. How do you overcome anxiety when the people around you do better? Moritz? Should I start? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, usually I don't compare myself to other people or not usually, I never compare myself to other people. Uh, I did that in the past and I realized that it doesn't really help my own progress and my own uh, journey at all because everyone is on his or her own journey and especially in trading there's no two traders that have exactly the same results so you might be trading the same strategy but this month I have made more than you and the other month you will make more than me so yeah I never compare myself to anyone I mean I look up to other people as inspiration other people inspire me, like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or so. <laughs> but uh, as a direct comparison to myself, no, I just don't do that. Yeah, I think that's easier said than done. And I, <clears throat> I try this as well, but uh, I seem to have to proactively, I install some apps on my phone, which <laughs> really block out my social media and my Instagram. Uh, I stopped using Insta or social media for my personal uses almost completely because even though I try to say myself I stop comparing myself uh, I still find myself going through the Facebook or the Instagram feed and then I see everyone having such an amazing life with uh, the Ferraris and the Lambos and everything so <clears throat> I yeah I just stopped uh, using social media most of the time which really really helped and um, I found this to make a big difference for me because I, yeah, I often caught myself even though we are doing quite well, um, I often caught myself thinking, oh, those are doing so well, how can I get there? And then it creates a little bit of anxiety as well. So for me, I have to actively stop myself from, from, yeah, just, from just doing it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how much capital, uh, capital do I need to start with? I think that's related to Forex. Yeah, we get that question a lot. Yeah, so I thought <laughs> we just answered maybe. Every day. <laughs> oh. And I always give the same answer, depends on your lifestyle, depends on your living expenses, depends on your historical returns. And then you double that. For example, you have 2000 expenses per month, then you want to make on average 4000 per month because you want to grow your account and you want to live at the same time and you want to have some security. You're not going to make 4000 every month, you're going to make minus 2000 this month and then the next month you're going to make uh, maybe 10,000. So on average you make. 4k a month so yeah you need some savings and you if you are in a day job right now i wouldn't quit it until you make double your salary yeah. at least yeah, yeah. Uh, also i always say you should have as much as possible but also be prepared to lose everything especially in the beginning <laughs> because small trading accounts are very very hard to trade if you want to be disciplined you plan your trades you wait and wait and wait and then maybe a good trade comes in and then you can only make 10 or 20 US dollars 
yeah, it's very hard to uh, to practice this discipline really than when only you can make 10 or 20 bucks. And when you go out in the night with your friends, you blow 100 on alcohol, then the, yeah, the relationship is not really so as much as you can, but prepare, be prepared to, to lose it all in the beginning. And make sure that you, you really learn the right lessons when you lose the money. Yeah. It does hurt, but uh, people generally, they, even, they, don't, they don't learn anything from it. <laughs> yeah, I think the, um, one of the number one reason, or maybe the number one reason why people fail in this business is undercapitalization and wrong expectations. Yeah. They overestimate what they are able to make on a short-term basis. Yeah. And they, they underestimate what they can do long-term. Mm. If you just invest maybe five, six, seven years, um, you could pretty much do almost do anything, I think. Yeah. If you just approach it slowly. Yeah. Question for Moritz. You mentioned that it has been some time since you had a big drawdown. So what, what happened last time? Was it just the market conditions um, that hit the trader, uh, that hit you or something else? Last time I had a massive drawdown, it was due to many reasons, like one, uh, I was trading break even for a month or two and then I lost patience, the market didn't give me the setups and I had some like uh, in my personal life some trouble and I wasn't taking care of myself with uh, sports and so on. So a lot of things came together and I just started losing it and <laughs> just, uh, yeah totally deviated from my trading plan and that uh, a lot of lessons learned during that time. Since then, biggest drawdown was, to be honest, uh, three or four percent and that has been two and a half years ago. Yeah, so quite happy with that. So now whenever you feel like you're stressed, you just stop trading and, re and regroup or? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I go down in trade size first and if that doesn't help, then I stop trading until I feel that I'm in the right mindset again. Yeah. I can now almost in real time tell when my mind is going crazy or haywire. And I think a lot of that is attributed to meditation. Yeah, Because I can tell a thought comes in, I can feel it in real time and then just let it go. If I cannot let it go, I have to stop trading. Yeah. I wrote an article about something similar, uh, which was very, very popular on everywhere where we shared it. And uh, I will try, if I remember, put the link in the description below. It was something like the secret or the missing secret to becoming successful in trading. And I talk about um, that people are not really self-conscious anymore. Uh, and I think it, a lot has to do also with the, the invention of smartphones and social media. Because we, we, don't, we cannot be alone anymore with ourselves. Whenever you, wherever you walk down the street, how often do you catch yourself? That you don't even know what you were thinking about or how you got here and how often when you wait for the bus or wherever you are you cannot even stand there for 10 seconds you have to pull out your phone you check something you put it back in your pocket you don't even know uh, what you did there and why you did it uh, how often do you check your your time and then two seconds later you forgot about it yeah, yeah. so and i think this also contributes to that people um they have no no way of feeling their their own feelings anymore. Mm -hmm. They're just impulsively reacting to whatever happens, but they don't have a way to just pause and think about okay, what is happening right now? Mm -hmm. Why is it happening? How does it make me feel? What does it uh, yeah? What is it causing in my trading? In my like, my how I feel? And yeah, absolutely agree. We have lost like the connection to listen to our 
brain and to our body, absolutely. And I think, when, when is the last time you just sat down and did nothing? Like just sit down on your desk or at your desk or, I don't know, under a tree in your garden and do nothing. Some people never did that in their whole life, so we just don't know how to listen to ourselves. Yeah, and again, I I'm really bad at this, um, and I really when I when I'm in my office, um, I work from home, so it's very easy to get distracted. And the first thing I do is that I put my phone uh, out of reach. I don't have it near me because if there's nothing to do, nothing in the market, I would just pull up my phone and randomly do something I shouldn't do. And there are also some apps you can install on your computer to block out YouTube or email or anything really during your working hours. And that really helps a lot. Mm -hmm. So you don't waste your time. And then you will see that you're, you finish your, your work earlier and then you have more free time as well. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's nice, I think. Um, there was a question for regarding the last video. What was the biggest thing that you sacrificed in order to become a trader? <clears throat> For me, I couldn't say that I sacrificed anything, to be honest. I mean, no. <laughs> trading, trading is not a sacrifice to me. To me, it's a dream job. So, sure, some things had to like take a backseat. Like, uh, for example, making music or um, playing video games or so. Things I love to do, being creative. But trading itself is an absolute dream job. So. I don't see it as a sacrifice. No. And if you are smart enough and you work hard enough and you have a good uh, organization, then your family, your friends, they don't have to suffer either. Your relationships, everything will be fine. It's just about how you approach it. Yeah, yeah I think a lot has to do <clears throat> not with sacrifices, I think, but with setting priorities. Yeah. That, And that's what I did too in the beginning, obviously. I had to choose between um, do I stay home, work a little bit on myself, my trading or whatever, or do I get out for the 100th or 200th time and just get drunk in a pub? <laughs> or there are many things like that um, that you yeah just ask yourself, do you really have to watch the unimportant soccer match or whatever it is? Or do you journal, do you review, do you meditate, do you whatever you do? And that's about priorities, I think. Many, tr many people, especially when they have a job, they say, or yeah, they say, <clears throat> I don't have time for this and that. But then you catch them doing social media or watching Netflix. Or yeah. <clears throat> and I think there's nothing wrong with it, but uh, you need to be clear about what you want in life. Sure. And then you set priorities. Of sure. course, there are people who like the like average life where you have time for, for whatever. Mm. But then you should not complain, I think. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the month, and <clears throat> at the end of the year, at the end of your life, What's gonna make you feel better? That you watched every series on Netflix, or that you uh, had a great career? I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a simple question to ask, and the answer is also very simple, in my opinion. Uh, it's just a day-to-day -day, uh, discipline that brings us away from our goals. Yeah, and there's always. Um, I do watch Netflix. <coughs> I love many series, but yeah. I don't let it take over, or I don't sac, or I don't, yeah, sacrifice my my working time for something. Yeah, my pleasure time. Unless, unless it's Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad, <laughs> yeah. or Walking Dead. Okay. <laughs> um, next one. Ah, are you scared that your edge stops working? What do you think? Yeah. Um, 
I, I think I answered it in another video and I think there's this quote you're only as good as your last trade uh, and that's true also for for many areas I think sports or musicians have that mm. especially if you're a one-hit wonder and then you're scared <laughs> can you do another song but in trading I think this applies too because what you did in the past doesn't really matter in the future and this is especially true with I think yeah discretionary trading mm -hmm. Because there's always, you can have a system with rules, but you always have flexibility within the rules. Mm -hmm. And the market is always changing. There's also this quote, uh, the market is always the same. It is always changing, just, yeah, you get the idea. Mm -hmm. um, so you always have to stay, you always have to adapt to the market. The volatility will be different today than it was yesterday. Uh, the way the market moves will be different today than it was yesterday. It will be different tomorrow. Correlations will change. <clears throat> So you have to adapt with your stop loss, I think, with your take profit approach, with your management. I trade, for example, I trade many patterns, but there are certain patterns that I keep adjusting and adjusting and adjusting. Sometimes clear breakouts work nice. Sometimes the market has a tendency to have retests. Sometimes it doesn't, it just takes off. Sometimes you have a lot of volatility. Other times you have less volatility. So you need to adjust those parameters. And I think there's a, that's why I always say there's a difference between a rigid system and like a framework. When a framework, you have your rules, that's how you enter your trade, those are the things that you use, but then you have flexibility in your parameters. Yeah, yeah. Like speaking from a discretionary, systematic discretionary trader side, and that's uh, the answer you just gave. Speaking from a systematic trader side, like uh, you are coding algorithms, for example, those algorithms they are not based on price action or on how price moves they are more based on quantifications and indicators and so on and they are going to stop working 100% some time in in some 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 point in time so you just have to re-optimize them or you have to create a new strategy but if you are a systematic discretionary trader like 90% of your edge comes from the discretion and the discretion just adapts to the market as it goes. So for my systematic discretionary trading, I have tested it, the strategy on charts that are 100 years old and 50 years old and on cryptos as well, a new market, and it works everywhere. And that's simply because it's based on my own intuition of the market uh, framed into a set of rules. So for that, I'm not really scared that my strategy is going to uh, stop working as long as my brain is still working. Yeah, I think that's also when you have a successful business person and you take everything away from them, then so often you see that they will just come back to where they've been yeah. or that the successful people go from business to business to business and they always succeed, succeed. And it's not, it's their, I think it's their mindset and, and everything that makes them not, not this one idea that they suddenly have. And in trading it's also not this one system this one indicator, I think it's the mindset, how you approach things, how you learn things. and Yeah, exactly. Like um, that video we watched the other day where the guy said, uh, <coughs> you can have a million dollars, but it doesn't make you a millionaire. You need the mindset first. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mindset is everything. And then you don't have to worry. That's true. And there's another question that's quite related. Um, and it goes something... Ah, how do you improve your instincts and your gut feeling? Since that's quite, yeah, 
important for discretion here as well. Mm -hmm. discretion. Yeah, actually, I wrote an article about that, and uh, the way I do it is simply by tracking in Edgewonk my gut feeling versus the technical uh, quality of a trade. So I have a scale from one to five on the quality of a trade, and scale from one to five on my gut feeling, five being the best. And then I simply track like how is the performance when the quality, the objective quality of the trade is five, the best. But my gut feeling tells me it's a one or two. And usually my performance on these trades is worse for several uh, reasons. Uh, one, of course, uh, because I don't trust the trade. So it's going to be much harder to manage it. Two, um, my brain picked up on a pattern subconsciously that I could never pick up on consciously. And it's telling me something. And so with the data, you learn to trust your instinct over the long run. So that's how I also base my position sizing. When I have a trade that is a 5.5, five, I bet much more than if I have a trade which is a 1.5 or a 5.1. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And for the, for the grading of the trades, for the quality, do you, do you have like a system for that, I guess, for the technical part? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like a points-based system. <laughs> like uh, if it's, uh, I have several rules, like for my five setups that I trade, and for every setup, there has to be this and this and this criteria and if they are fulfilled like perfectly then I give it some extra points and they cap out at, at one point. So basically uh, 0 to 50 points for the quality of the setup and then I just normalize it to on a scale from 1 to 5. Okay. Yeah, um, my favorite trading book is the one from Marty Schwartz, Pitbull Champion Trader and he has been trading for decades and decades. And then he said one, uh, one thing that really um, struck me. He said that he still uses, um, back then when he wrote it, a physical checklist. So he wrote down every point that he needs for his trade, um, every criteria, and then he goes through this one by one by one, checking it off. And then I thought, wow, if this guy is doing it, then uh, what is really the reason that I, I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing it? And mm -hmm. I think checklists are, they're used in many areas, mm -hmm. obviously. and. I also found they help be much, much more objective yeah. because how often do you want to jump into a trade and you don't even think about it, <clears throat> what it is, and then after you enter, you say, oh, this, actually, I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. So I think physical checklists are very good. And there was also a question, what do you have on your checklist? And I think that's also a great exercise because most people, they don't even ask themselves what what does a good trade look like for me? Mm -hmm. What is the perfect trade? What is the perfect setup? Mm -hmm. And then what I usually recommend is that go through your last 10, 20, 30 trades, print them out, and then look what they have in common. And then write down, this is my criteria one, two, three. And then when you, when you have that, you, have your, you can also grade it by quality. You can use it in edge wonk or just for your position sizing. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah, so that's interesting especially with the gut feeling as well. And I know that people, that's very different from in trading, people don't have this flexible position sizing, whereas in poker, where you're coming from, mm -hmm. or even in sports backing, this is pretty much everything. Standard, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Like, you have a weak player on the table, you just bet more and you try to suck him in <laughs> and take all his money. <laughs> and the market is just my opponent in this and when he, when he shows his hand very 
obviously and gives me a great trade with a great risk reward ratio of course i want to bet more and make more out of that and uh, yeah that has really boosted my performance a lot but in in trading sometimes i found that the the very obvious setups they're also the ones who tend to fake out <laughs> yeah. when everybody's looking at the same head and shoulders with a perfect clear uh, neckline and everybody's really waiting to get there or when uh, even the uh, financial news is reporting about the golden cross on on the S&P um, things don't behave as planned so yeah. is that your observation too or yeah absolutely like when a pattern is too obvious especially for the classic patterns so which also the majority of traders learn first when they get into the market and you can hear about it on media then I just uh, watch and observe because usually at these very obvious necklines of head and shoulders or trend lines or support resistance levels there tends to be a lot of confusion around there because some people go short some go long some I don't know uh, they they are taking profits some stop losses are hit so there's a lot of confusion at those very obvious levels which is what makes price going haywire so usually I just observe yeah. so when it's too obvious do you trade it or do you stop it or do you adjust your your approach a little bit or? yeah like I usually don't trade uh, the breakouts like when we get the breakout I will get in at the retest oh, that's okay. usually yeah. so sometimes the price will just run away and you you don't care yeah okay. <laughs> fair enough no FOMO at all that's good <laughs> that's always what I get the question when people <laughs> Always they ask us, uh, do you trade the breakout or the retest? Yeah. Uh, many people want to trade the retest only, but then they see the breakout and they can't stop themselves from taking the breakout. Because sometimes obviously it will run away and you don't get a, a retest. Yeah, like this month or last week there was a lot of Aussie trades. Yes. And they just they broke out like crazy and I was waiting for my retests and I didn't get them. But I still made around uh, 8% this month. So why FOMO, you know, there's always opportunities. No, I'm totally fine. No. Yeah, so that's also one thing that when you pick your strategy, you should really think about: is this a good fit for yourself? Yeah. So if you cannot really wait and you have a lot of FOMO, then only trading retests is probably not a good idea. But <laughs> there's also you could also trade both. First, for example, you wait your the retest is your main pattern, mm -hmm. and you take a small position on the initial breakout. That could mm -hmm. also be. That's one thing that I often say is that there's, in trading it's not only black and white. You don't only have the choice to get in or get out. Yeah. Uh, you can also scale into a position, take trades with different position sizes. And that's one thing that also helps many people. Yeah, and like for me I had a problem that as I was a, always a retest trader, that if I took a breakout and it came back, my entry for the retest was exactly where actually my stop loss for the breakout was. Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't really know what to do. So Especially when you use a breakout, a break-even Exactly, yeah. So what I did is simply that I started to trade breakouts with half size. And then when they came back, I would add another <clears throat> lot. And then after a month or two, I realized that those conflicting signals, they just messed with my brain. So I gave up on breakouts altogether. Mm. And yeah, I'm totally okay with that. That's another interesting question. I think um, when people they often when they have one system they don't get enough trades and then they want to, want to add another one mm. and do you think it's better to have two well, one system and two systems that are very opposite so one is looking for long and one is for short 
Do you think that messes with you or do you think you should have similar similar systems, similar patterns? Yeah, like the way I created my system is that it helps me reduce FOMO by giving me a lot of um, like five different setups to get in on a trade while it while it's on the move. Right, so I have the um, first the breakout of the pattern, I can uh, trade the retest, I can trade the first pullback and so on. So I have these different setups that all allow me to get in on a trend while it's on the way. But I never have conflicting uh, signals because that's what really messes uh, with your brain for sure. Yeah, that's what I, because I trade those breakouts, new trends, early new trends. And then some people who have my system, they say, oh, I don't, I want to have something else. And then instead of the, the breakout um, on, a, yeah, from a range, for example, they also trade within the range, the, like a bounce. So yeah. on the one side, you trade the bounce to the upside. And then on a breakout, you want to trade the short side. And then I think it's very easy to always find a reason to get into a trade, either long or short, because it's always somehow fits into the criteria. Yes. I mean, I, I created some algorithms where the trades are getting reversed. So the stop loss is just to close the trade and open the same position in the opposite side. I think that's okay for a system that is automated. If you are a manual trader, it's super yeah. hard on your psychology. So Yeah, because then you're just try. always in a trade. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the true, um, because I trade those breakout patterns. And there are many, many different types of how a new trend can start. Mm -hmm. It can be a smooth transition. It can be like a head and shoulders where you have clear trend waves. Mm -hmm. It can be a range. And all of them are really aiming for the same outcome, mm -hmm. a reversal or a breakout into a new trend. But there are so many different variations of how a market can turn around. Mm -hmm. And if you learn more and more patterns, um, then you can trade more and more of those reversal um, situations yeah. without being all over the place. I yeah, think. absolutely. Agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, ah, Moritz, for you. Uh, in the future, could you please address the issue that Moritz raised in this video about how confirmation bias sabotaged his backtesting? It was in the last video. When, ah, okay, when I, uh, basically I had the chart in my brain, in my yeah. subconscious, and I just remembered everything. The pattern, yeah. yeah. It's like memory. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious, yeah. So I don't know how to circumvent this as uh, one first uh, only test a certain set of data once or twice, and then switch to a different data set. So I was just testing, backtesting the euro dollar in 2008 to 2010, only those two years, for example. So what I should have done is, test it on these two years twice or maybe three times then or only once and then switch to another pair with the same time frame or another pair on a different time frame or the same pair on a different time frame just so you you treat this um, piece of data like an old piece of uh, I don't know uh, like a scroll an ancient scroll yeah once you touch it it's burnt oh, and yeah. you can, cannot use it again that's the easiest solution because there is enough instruments out there that you can backtest uh, your whole life. <laughs> yes, that's true. Also, if you're using TradingView, um, there are two cool things uh, that I also use in my, in my actual trading. For example, when I look at the Euro US dollar and I want to get a different perspective, I just type in US dollar Euro, so everything is flipped around. It does look completely different, but it's still the same 
uh, chart. So I caught myself that I feel much, much more comfortable having short trades, short reversals. <laughs> I don't know why that's, I, I think it might be something how we, how we look at charts. Yeah. And then I try to train myself to also get the long setup. So US dollar euro, and then you can flip it around. That also works for backtesting. And also in TradingView, you can pretty much add any time frame. So if you always use the four hour, try using the three hour, the three and a half hour. Yep. The charts look a little bit different, but you're probably not going to remember it as as perfectly. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> By the way, my bias is also like 90% short. Yeah. Short. Sure. Yeah, it seems to be the same for, <clears throat> I've rarely met a trader. Yeah, maybe it's different in stocks. If yeah. you're in Forex, I've always seen that as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. But yeah, in stocks, you're pretty much forced more to go the long side. Yeah. <coughs> Tips for learning to trade while you're still in a nine to five job. <laughs> uh, I don't know, book a meeting room, <laughs> go to the toilet <laughs> and bring your iPad. It's like for me, when I was still in, in the nine to five, I was lucky because I was working in China. So when I came home, uh, it was when the New York just opened. So I could day trade the New York session. Of course, I was very tired and so on, but uh, yeah, I made it in the end. And the most important thing is like, don't see your nine to five as a, as, as a hindrance or problem. Just see it as a blessing because it's uh, stay, it keeps you afloat. You can use it to fund your account and you can use your <coughs> nine to five to eat and have a roof over your head while you learn trading. Yeah. So you just, you first need the mindset shift. And <coughs> once that is done, you're gonna go to work happily. You're gonna say like, yes, this nine to five enables me to become a professional trader. And then you will come home refreshed and motivated and on the weekend you will be able to study more and everything is gonna be much smoother. Yeah, yeah that's true. So there's this quote that goes, how you do one thing is how you do all things. And I think that it's very, very helpful to develop just the character that you need, not only to become a good trader, but to become successful in everything. And I always had this, um, this approach wherever, whenever I worked, even I had weird jobs as a student, I was always trying to, to do my best, to be the best employee, to just go the extra mile, really stand out. And that shows yourself that what type of person you are, you know that you are, uh, you respect yourself, you develop self-respect, you develop self-discipline, and that you can transfer in all areas of your life. It's just like you cannot expect to be a disciplined trader, but then in all other areas of your life, you're not disciplined and yeah, you're just a mess everywhere else. And then you cannot just turn on the switch in trading and just somehow be this disciplined trader. I think that helps a lot as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the, the karate kid who has to clean the dojo first and, and do all the other chores first yeah. before he can finally learn the cormoran kick or the dragon kick. I don't know, <laughs> but it's just like that. And it's actually the, the Japanese people, they have a word for that. I forgot it. Is it Ikebana or so? No idea. But it's this, or Kaizen, I think it's Kaizen. Like, whatever you do, you have to do it 100% with your whole body and your whole soul. There was this one guy who made a million knives in his life, a Japanese guy, and he said, ah, I think I'm getting better at it. <laughs> yeah, Japanese are crazy when it comes to this. So good. It's so cool to see them as well. Yeah. It's really a nice mindset to have really that you just don't do your stuff. Like you just don't 
just be present there nine to five then you go home and you have you get to live your life it's really that this is a really big part of your life even if you don't fully love your job um, you never will have a chance to move to the higher rank to get a promotion if you're just yeah if you're just unhappy and just do the bare minimum of what is asked from you and also another thing when it comes to trading in nine to five um, i think is that you need when we come back to that uh, to have really good priorities mm -hmm. for me for example uh, I started when I was still very early in my university mm -hmm. and I always would set my alarm one hour ahead uh, or before I should get up uh, and then I would just work a little bit at least on my trading, try to mm -hmm. scan the markets, see what has happened overnight, read some news mm -hmm. and then also um, after university I would, um, before I, I would sit down on the couch and do whatever, I would uh, force myself to at least do a little bit of work. And I think that really adds up. It's like when you just read 10, uh, 10 pages every day, at the end of the year you have uh, read uh, 3,000 pages, which is probably like 50, 60, 70 books. And that is really going to make a difference, even if you think that today it won't really make that big, or it's not big of a deal. Uh, absolutely. Like also for working out, you do 10 push-ups every day, you're going to be much stronger than the guy who does 100 push-ups on the weekend. Yeah, and you're not going to stop after 10, maybe in the beginning, and sometimes you will do 9, or sometimes you don't feel good and do 5, but you at least you show yourself that what type of person you are, and you are this type of person who just does what is asked from him, and you do the things that you know you should be doing. Yeah. I think that's very, very important. Yeah. Okay, let's see, what else do we have? I think we are almost, oh, this one, I want to save it for the end, maybe. <coughs> No, I think we are good. We have one more. Um, what is on your bucket list? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, actually I had a bucket list when I was still in my nine to five. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and then after I quit my nine to five and I started living the, the life as I always the, the life that I always wanted to, I didn't read my bucket list again. So because. I know everything I want to do. I can just right now do it. I just go to the airport right now, buy a ticket to somewhere and fly there and that's it without any restrictions. So I don't have a bucket list anymore. I just have a daily list. A to-do list. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And like a bucket list, I mean, it's nice to have, but it's more about collecting things. I started being a collector, like I used to go like, okay, I have to do go this and this and this and this city and I have to do this and this and this and I didn't really experience it. I just mm -hmm. did a check mark and took some pictures, but uh, now I'm much more into being present and uh, just enjoying the journey as, as yeah, yeah, being open-minded to new experiences and so on. And I think my bucket list also that I had 10 years ago would be totally different mm -hmm. from the one I do today yeah. because I grew so much as a person and everything changed yeah yeah for me it's more about I still do have things that I I want to accomplish obviously um, but for me it's always about progress anyway yeah so I want to be better next week than I was today and I want to um, try new skills and work on certain things in my life um, we even we go to or we always try to look for new ways how we can um, grow ourselves so we're always looking for 
other people who can teach us certain things. We are actively looking for coaches. We are doing uh, other activities where we just work on ourselves to make sure that we go to the next level. And growth, I think, is very, very important. Um, but I also found, oh, that's one thing I also want to ask you, um, that goals, I think, are very, very important. Mm -hmm. There was also this, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast with Tyson Fury, mm -hmm. uh, and he checked all his goals of his life when he was quite young. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, he completely fell into a depression, although he was a multimillionaire, he was the number one in the world, he reached everything that he always dreamed about when he was little, uh, when he was small, a little. And yeah, he said that it was <clears throat> probably also because he didn't have goals. And then once he had another goal to get back, um, then many, many things changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for some people that works really well for me, it's just about the daily process. Like, I, as you, I want to get 1% better every day. If I don't grow, I feel weird and I just go and uh, listen to a podcast or pick up a book and start reading it immediately. And uh, just to, to improve as a person. As for goals, like, I had a lot of goals when I was younger. Well, I'm still young, <laughs> but younger, younger. And uh, that time, like all of those goals, I have passed them, surpassed them many, many times already. But I never fell into this hole because, into this deep hole of depression, because once I reached that goal, there was just the next bigger goal and the next bigger goal. And I never put a time frame on my goals, like never. Like I have to do this by the end of this year or I have to do this by the end of uh, 40 before I'm 40 or so on. Because I think it's kind of a limitation. If you, uh, there's this saying that you always give yourself as much time for a task as, as the deadline is. Yeah. So, and then I, I, myself, I know that from university, I had a deadline of uh, six months on a, <laughs> on a dissertation or some stuff like that, or a, a whole a paper, and I wrote it the night before. <laughs> I did it in six hours, basically. <clears throat> so And the six months before that, you always feel bad yeah, because right. you have to do it. Oh, no, right. yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm not a fan of time timelines or deadlines on goals. Just write it down so you have the channel direction. And then maybe I, I read them every week. I reread my goals every week for my life for this year and so on. Just to, to, to keep myself primed in the general direction. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's also a little bit, because I was thinking about this a lot. Um, in trading, that's very different because mm. trading goals are very, very hard to manifest. They can be, in Germany, we say wishy-washy. There's like, okay, I want to be the millionaire trader. But that's not really helpful. Yeah. But other goals where you say, okay, I want to make 10% every month, they can also be yeah, not really helpful because obviously sometimes you just can't get trades and other times the market won't help you and other times you will make 20% maybe and then do you cut yourself short of that. I think that's very, very hard to find the, the balance how yeah. to set goals in trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for my trading, like I have, uh, of course, process-oriented goals. I want to be the best trader I can be and so on. I think we all heard about that before. And then I simply, <clears throat> for me, the biggest restrictor in the past was that I set my goals too low. Like I said, okay, I want to make 3% this month. And then as soon as I reach those 3%, I uh, stop trading. 
yes. because I say, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm done. And then the next month I made minus 1% or so and I was pissed. Yeah. So now I set my monthly goal to 15% actually, which is like a lot, which is, I sometimes I reach it, but not often. And then when I reach those 15% a month, then I'm like, okay, now I can really rest because that's a ridiculous return for four weeks. But most of the time I don't reach it, but I also don't feel like I have to reach it. Like I'm not pressed to make this return every month. If I reach it, I'm happy. Yeah, but just don't set your goals too low is my advice. Just it's much better to set your goals unrealistically high than set them too low while still maintaining realistic expectations. Yeah, that's the thing I think. Yeah. It's very hard. Because <laughs> I think especially for new traders and young guys, when you're starting out and you have a $1,000 account, then they have like, because there's a difference between unrealistic and crazy unrealistic. Yeah. When you want to make a million dollar out of nothing within a year, yeah. that's not really, that's not even in the realm of possibilities. Yeah. But if you say, okay, I have, maybe 20,000 and I still have my job where I can fund my account and I just want to become a trader that can make 10% every month, which is also crazy, but it's realistic. Maybe. Yeah, it's doable. It's definitely doable. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, ah, it's, it's, it's a very thin line. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think one thing that um, can be helpful is to get perspective. So for example, uh, look at there's the World Cup champion trading mm -hmm. thing uh, and you see the future, uh, the Forex guys, there's a ranking the, the one, to, 1 to 5 and the top guy it's now uh, 40% yeah it's 40% yeah. and it's um, almost May so yeah. 4 months and he made 40% and it's the one guy there are probably thousands registered yeah and and they are all trading with ridiculous risk yeah. parameters of of course it's about it's not about making money it's about winning the championship so you're not risking one you're risking 5 to 10% per trade so so that gives you i think a little bit but also sites like Darwinx yeah. when you have really a bigger ranking and the people are long term oriented yeah you will see that to the, the top guys, I don't know how much they make, but how much is it, you know? Two to three percent per month. Per month, that's a... Yeah, if, if you can make that over two to three years, you have a track record, people are gonna throw money at you, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and that's some people, they don't see the, the big picture and they don't play the long game. Yeah. When you go to a bank, you're lucky that you have you have zero percent return, and some countries you have negative return, mm. and if you can, and they are, that's one thing that we always try to challenge ourselves, this abundance mindset. Uh, I talked about this in another video. You just look around yourself, how many rich people are there in the world? And there are millions, hundreds of millions of uh, rich people in the world who just don't know where to put their money. Yeah. And if you can show them that with moderate risk, you can make them 10% a year, not a month, a year, then people will throw money at you until yeah you don't know where to where you put it. Yeah, it's like I, I met a very wealthy investor from China the other day. He I, I've known him for some time. He's kind of a friend of mine, and he's uh, like an angel investor or yeah, that's basically his business model. And he asked me about my percentage return for my last year's trading, and it was around thirty-five percent. And he looked at me with an open mouth. Like, what the hell? 
<laughs> and this guy is making billions, like literally billions each year. So he was like, oh cool, where can I invest? Because it's so hard to get decent returns for most people that if you're making two to three percent per month, which equals to 20 to 40 percent per year, man, you're gonna have more money than you can ever spend. If you are able to translate that performance into uh, trading people for other, uh, trading money for other people, of course. Yeah, and I think that's very, that's a good vision to have. I think for for people who are new in trading. Yeah. But it's also quite hard to play the long game, obviously, because sure. that means that you cannot really care about how much money you make right now, because the money you have in your in your trading account is nothing compared to what might happen in the future. At the same time, you need to still be disciplined to <laughs> follow this approach and follow this, uh, yeah, just have follow this long game plan, I think. Sure, sure. And if you tell that to people, like 40 to 50% is a lot, they will look at you like you are crazy. I can still remember that lady in China. <laughs> <laughs> we, had a, we had a presentation in, in Shenzhen and after the presentation she came over to me and it was in March or so and asked me for my return and I told her and she said, what? That's not a lot because she came from crypto or so and they are making obviously 10,000% every day. <laughs> every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. so that's, I think it's very, very hard for, for new traders, for young, young guys are, I think, the biggest group they have the problems with that yeah. because they're often stuck in jobs they don't enjoy and then they see other people on social media yeah. that have everything uh, and then they try to get there and then of course they won't get there because yeah so I think that is it a good idea you you often say that subscribing to sites like Darwinx or registering mm -hmm. Darwinx or other sites where you're forced or where you see that actually you don't need to make 100% every day. Yeah. That can help your, because it's not about your money in your bank account. Yeah. It's about the bigger picture. Exactly. Absolutely. Like that is the easiest way to have a great career in trading, to trade other people's money. And the easiest way to get other people's money is to have a decent track record with low volatility. So small drawdowns and uh, <coughs> decent um, consistent returns and you're going to be a very wealthy man. Just get away from the thought that you have to turn your thousand bucks into 10 million bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. That's how all the rich people operate, not only in trading. Yeah. They look for other opportunities where they can invest their money and then have it grow uh, much, much faster. And it's not limited, limited to themselves only, mm. because in the end you can only do so much. Yeah. Um, so you need to look for, yeah, you need to think bigger, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, um, in the future, you can stay, uh, you can be very excited what we have coming, but this is a long-term project <laughs> and no spoiler alerts here. <laughs> okay, I think that's it. So if you, yeah, that's no more questions. And if you enjoyed this Q&A, thumbs up, share it everywhere. And also make sure to really leave a question, a comment underneath this video, wherever you're watching this. Um, and we will make uh, for sure a follow-up video with more questions. And yeah, until then, see you next time.